Okay, welcome to our Bible study today. Today we'll be in Matthew chapter 22, and we'll be covering verses 1 through 14. Uh, Jesus tells this parable to the religious leaders of Israel. Now understand this, that there are six to seven days when this happens, when Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. It's six or seven days before Jesus is going to go to that cross and be put to death. So we see right now a little bit of background that he's in the middle of a confrontation with these leaders, these religious leaders, right? And something you need to know about these religious leaders is that they weren't supposed to be spiritual leaders for the nation of Israel, but also they sort of had some governmental influence amongst the people, amongst the Jews in the nation of Israel at this time, right? So these religious leaders have been following Jesus and they seen all the miracles that Jesus was doing. And there's two types of religious leaders that we're going to talk about in the upcoming scriptures. There's the Pharisees and there's the Sadducees. Now the Pharisees, there was a difference between the two. Both of them believed in the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's the law of Moses. Both of them studied it and they knew it. But the difference between the two is that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Whereas the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection, but they also studied the prophets, right? And, and this whole deal about the Bible and God's word and God's truth reveals around prophecy. So they know what the prophets say about the coming of the Messiah, right? Which is, we know is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? But, but they didn't believe. They didn't believe because of their own prideful ways. Because what Jesus taught and the way Jesus taught and what Jesus said, it didn't fit into their frame, so to speak. So, they was jealous of Jesus because wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd that followed because many people wanted to see the miracles and not only wanted to see the miracles, but there was people in there that actually wanted miracles done upon their lives, right? Like, like him, him healing the blind, you know, and people seeing and so forth and hearing, you know, and, and just the lady with leprosy, the woman with leprosy and so forth. So he healed everywhere he went, he healed. So he gathered a large following. And most of these people believe that he was a prophet, just like John the Baptist, okay? Remember, it wasn't until the Gentiles came that the Gentiles started spreading the word of God. So what we're going to see in tonight's lesson is the Pharisees, the religious leaders, whereas the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, the Pharisees did. So what we see is that Jesus is in the middle of a confrontation with these leaders, right? And everywhere they went, they followed. Now, they seen the miracles he performed, and they still rejected them, right? They didn't believe that he was the true Messiah, right? So, so what we're going to see in the parable tonight is that Jesus is going to be talking to the religious leaders about a parable, and that parable is going to deal with the wedding and the wedding feast, now, something you need to understand, a little bit of background about the Jewish culture, right? Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus is talking 
to the nation of Israel right here. Meaning he's talking to Jews, but the message that he's, you know, he's given in the Gospels is for all of humanity. But you got to put yourself in the, in, in the shoes of a Jew. So he's looking at it from a Jewish standpoint. And in the Jewish culture, whenever there was a wedding that was going to be performed, there was two invitations that were sent out. There was one for the wedding itself, and there was one for the wedding feast. So you can be invited to the wedding, but you might not have an invitation to the wedding feast, right? Whereas today, you know, when we go to a wedding and we celebrate someone's wedding with them, you have one invitation, which means you're invited to the ceremony. You're invited to the church or to the chapel, right? But you're also invited to the wedding feast, the, the, the reception that takes place after. And back in Jesus' time and in Jewish culture, you didn't have that. It was two invitations, right? So what we're going to see now is that this scripture, the first 14 uh, scriptures in here, we're going to break it down into two parts is what we're going to do. The first eight verses is talking about, and Jesus wants to give the nation of Israel the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of God. But we're going to see that they reject it. And the last six verses, God's going to make it clear that the kingdom is given to all of us who wants it. All of humanity. However, you're going to find out that not everyone is going to be invited to this wedding feast. So, with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. I'm in the NIV. And this is what Jesus told the religious leaders in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying... So we see that Jesus, once again, is speaking in parables. And he often did this, right? And, and all of his parables was related to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God. And... The word parable means to govern or rule over. So what Jesus is saying here when he says Jesus spoke to them in parables, what the scripture is telling us is that Jesus wants to rule. Jesus wants to govern over our life, right? Over your life. And look at verse 2. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared the wedding banquet for his son. Now, the king right here in this scripture represents God. And the son obviously represents Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at this, the word wedding in Greek is in the form of plural. Now, in English, we know the form of plural means more than one. But that's not what this scripture is saying here, right? What the scripture is implicating is that this wedding... This wedding has, is exceedingly good, is exceedingly holy. It takes on the characteristics of God. So we can say that this wedding is a godly wedding. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind when I read this is what we studied in the book of Revelation in chapter 19. At that great wedding feast, right? The Supper of the Lamb at the end of this age and at the beginning and the establishment of the kingdom of God. So we're going to see that there's a connection here between this wedding banquet and the establishment 
of the kingdom of heaven in this world. Verse 3, Jesus says this, He sent out His servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. Now, once again, as I stated earlier, in Jewish culture, this invitation was sent maybe at least half a year to a year out in advance and sometimes even longer, right? And there was two invitations that were sent, one for the wedding and one for the wedding feast or one for the wedding banquet. So what the scripture is saying is that this means that they were invited in the past and right now the invitation is still good. But in the very near future, right, this wedding is going to take place. So, so this call to respond to this wedding, you can say is not nothing new to these people. They knew about this wedding, right? We see that God wants them to respond to this wedding. In other words, he wants them to come to this wedding. Why? Because this wedding is going to be joyful. It's going to be glorious, right? So we see that he calls his servants to go tell them to come to this wedding, to talk to them about this wedding, that what's going to take place and how glorious and wonderful it's going to be. But look what happens. Look what, look what happens. Look what they say. But they refuse to come. So at this very moment, they didn't want to go to this wedding feast. They refuse this wedding feast, right? But you see there's going to be coming a time in the near future where they're going to regret this decision. So you can say, what is the message for all of us? The message is this that Jesus and God's trying to tell us. That if you aren't responding to the truth of God, and I'm speaking about this great invitation into the kingdom of heaven, right? And it's through the gospel message that we preach in the day. We all need to be people, right, who open up to the gospel, who understand the gospel, who accept it into our lives, right? You see, the only way to heaven is through the blood of Jesus through redemption. Jesus is the only way into heaven. Jesus is the only way to get to this wedding feast, to get to this wedding banquet, right? By believing in Him, but not only believing, but also being holy and being righteous, as we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this section. So we see here that these people, they rejected the gospel, right? But one day, they're going to regret it. Verse 4, Then He sent out more servants, and He said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. So look at the first part of that text where he says, Then he sent out more servants and he told them, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. So this signifies that a major event is going to take place in the near future. And look what he says. He continues on. He says, My oxen and fatted cattle, they have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to this wedding feast. Now, oxen right here shows us that this dinner, this supper, is going to be very, very important. And you might ask the question, why is that? Because oxen at this time was only served to the wealthy people. Or it was served for a very important and glorious event. So he sends out more of his servants to go to the guest and to tell him about this wedding feast. And he says, 
Let them know what we have to eat and how important it is. Now, realize this also, that a wedding, when it is mentioned in the scriptures, it should convey to us great joy, right? Great happiness. So we can say that this wedding that's taking place is of abundant joy. We know it's going to be a glorious wedding, right? It's going to be a holy wedding. It's going to be a godly wedding, right? So it's a wedding like no other. Verse 5. But they paid no attention, and they went off. One to his field, and another to his business. Look at the first half of that text, of that verse. The text says, But they paid no attention, and they went off. So we can say this, that these religious leaders, they weren't interested, right? God is trying to give the nation of Israel right here, through these leaders, through these religious leaders, salvation. But they don't want it, right? They're not interested in it. And the message to us is this. This is exactly what we do at times, right? We spend time thinking, right? Paying attention to the things of this world. Right? And, and instead of paying, paying close attention to Jesus, right? Instead of spending time with Jesus, right? Reading the scriptures, praying to Him, but not only talking to Him and praying to Him, but also listening to us and letting Him direct our steps in life. You see, it's, it's, it's not our will that it be done, but it's Christ's will to be done. Right? And when we don't spend time with God, right? When we take things of this world, when we let the flesh take over, it shows on our part that we lack discernment. And there's only one way, right, to discern. And that one way to discern is through the Holy Spirit, right? You see, when we take God's instructions, when you spend time with God and you tell God, Holy Spirit, come in my heart. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Let, let the Holy Spirit come and take over, right? When, when, when you listen to God's instructions and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to show you His will and you obey His word and you obey His will, right? In other words, the outcome of your obedience, God's going to give you a new perspective. God is going to lead you right down a road where all your crooked paths are what made straight that's what scripture tells us right and it's only through this perspective that we will have discernment being able to see things properly being able to see things like our lord and savior see things in other words we doing his will means being discerned which means i make righteous decisions for my life right and what are righteous decisions? Those that are in light to God's will. Why? To bring Him all the glory. Right? And I say this quite often in Bible study. That each and every one of us that has a gift and a talent that God put on the inside of us. That we can use that gift and talent in today's world. How? To make a difference for his kingdom, right? We can influence people through our gift, through our talent, right? To spread the word of the gospel, to spread the good news, to tell them about this wedding that's going to take place, to tell them about the supper of the lamb. And obviously, you want to be invited to the supper of the lamb. Verse 6, 
the rest of his servants. Look what they did. They mistreated and they killed them. So they killed the people that invited them to something good. They killed the people that was telling them about this wedding and this wedding feast. Now, in my opinion, these servants right here in this scripture, verse 6, is liking to the prophets and to the apostles. Why? Because God chose these prophets, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, all the disciples that followed Jesus, right? God chose these people to speak the truth about God, to speak the truth about Jesus, to speak the truth about the kingdom of heaven. But you see, most of the society back in this time, especially in times of the prophets of Israel, the sons of Israel, what they did, they killed those prophets, right? Why they killed those prophets? Because those prophets came to them speaking the truth of God. And they killed them. And how sad is that, right? Because you see, these servants and prophets, they've been given instructions from God. And God tell them, He told them, go tell all the people, right? You see, when we are wise enough, when we are humble enough, these two things go together, meaning humility and wisdom, right? And you might ask, why? Because humility produces wisdom, and wisdom will cause someone to be humble. So these people, we can say that they're not wise, they're not humble, right? They're just the opposite. They're angry. They're jealous. They're hateful. They're negative. We see that they even killed, right? Everything that stands against the word of God, that's what these people stood for. Now, think about this. This is God offering the, king, the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And how did they respond to that, you say? They didn't care. In other words, they treated it with indifference and they treated it through violence. They killed slaves. In other words, they killed the prophets. They killed the priests and the high priests. They killed the apostles after Jesus died and was resurrected. Verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now, the king right here, again, is in reference to God. So we see that the king was enraged. This shows us that we need not do things to anger God. We need to do things that are pleasing to God. He sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned the city. So the king is just like God right here. He's a just God. He's a just king. And what saying is, is that he will destroy evil. In other words, everything that goes against the word of God, God will destroy. Well, Jesus will in the end, because we know from the book of Revelation what God's going to do. God turns over all authority to his son, Jesus. And look what the scripture says right here at the end. They burn their city. Now, this is speaking right here of the destruction of Israel and the destruction of the temple by the Roman Empire. Now, what we're going to see in verses 8 through 14 is that God just 
issued through the religious leaders an invitation to heaven. And what happened? Through his son Jesus, right? Because you can't know God without knowing Jesus. It's very important. And, and most of people in Judaism today, right? Probably 96% or so of the Jewish population today is not Christian. So, yeah, they believe in the Torah and they believe in the law and they might study some of the prophets, but they don't really believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And we see this right here in the first seven verses because God was doing what? God was giving them the kingdom of heaven. But what they did, they rejected it. So what we're going to see in the, the last half of this section of the Bible study is that God is going to speak not only about the kingdom of heaven, but he's going to speak about this banquet, this wedding feast that takes place at the end of this age. And because the nation of Israel, right, didn't accept that invitation through religious leaders, what's going to happen? He's going to open this invitation for all of humanity. In other words, he's going to open it up to what we know today as the church, Gentiles, because we are the church. So let's look at verse 8. Look at verse 8, what it says. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So the king says that the people that had been invited, right? That time is up now. They no longer can enter this wedding or this wedding feast. So he says they're not worthy to come anymore. So the question is this. How does one get worthy? By accepting the word of God. By accepting Jesus into your heart. By, by saying with, professing with your mouth that He is the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, right? That He is the Messiah. And that he, he, he died, but on the third day, He rose again. Why? So we can have a chance at eternal salvation. So we can have a chance at eternal life, right? So you see, when we say yes to God, to God's Word, right? Through His Son, Jesus, and the work of Jesus, that what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, right? Then and only then, we can be ready for this wedding feast. Verse 9. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Now that first text it says, so go to the street corners. This is in reference to side streets of the city at this time, right? This is where many or most of the people live during this time. In other words, they didn't live down a major highway. Down that major highway, you had side streets, so to speak. And these were where most of the people live, was down these side streets. So, so he's saying, go out to the side streets and invite anyone you can find and tell them about this wedding feast. Tell them about this banquet. Tell them how glorious it will be. Tell them about heaven, right? Tell them about the, the celebration, the supper of the Lamb. So we see now that this invitation right here is open to all people. Not just Jews, but it's open to everyone. Verse 10. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they can find. The bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. 
So we see that this, this invitation now is for all of humanity. But look what he says. He invited both what? Good and evil. So in other words, it's for the entire world. So what this is telling us is that it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you did. How you treated people, right? The sins that you have committed in your past. Because we're all sinful. We all make mistakes, right? But by the grace of God through the faith of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, right? All our sins are taken away for those who repent. For those who come and seek Jesus and ask Jesus into their heart. So this invitation is for all of us today. No matter your background, no matter the mistakes that you did in your past, the people you hurt, the people you let down, it doesn't matter. As long as you accept Jesus and you repent, right? He's going to accept you into his wedding. He wants you to be involved in the wedding. He's going to invite you into the wedding feast. But the only way to get invited into the wedding feast, right, is to be righteous and holy. See, you can believe and get in the kingdom of God. But just because you're in the kingdom of God doesn't mean that you're going to be in this wedding feast at the supper of the Lamb. Right? And we discuss that a little more in a couple of minutes. So all those who will enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you can be as evil as they come. But towards the end of your life, if you say with your mouth and in your heart, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you repent. Right? You believe in Jesus as your Messiah, as our Lord, our Lord, and the King of Kings. The Bible says that you are saved, right? This is what the Bible teaches. But not everyone is going to make it into the wedding feast. Only the faithful, only the holy, and only the righteous will enter this wedding feast or wedding banquet. So everyone who trusted in God even in the Old Testament, everyone who believed in the coming of the Messiah, right, and trusted God will be in the kingdom. Go back to the Old Testament, right? First and second Kings, the book of Genesis, Exodus, right? What God keeps on preaching, he sends prophets to do what? To tell him, sends Moses to tell him what? Believe and trust. Believe, trust, and obey. Believe, trust, and obey. And if you believe, trust, and obey, what happens? You're going to make it into heaven. Right? So you see, everyone who lived for Christ, right? And when Jesus says this at the end, when you look at your maker and, and, and you see him face to face and he tells you these words, well done, good and faithful servant. See, when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you know what that means? That means you're now invited to this wedding feast. You're now going to go to the supper of the Lamb. And the supper of the Lamb takes place at the very beginning of the eternal kingdom of God. So anyone who believes will enter into heaven. But only those who are truly faithful, who are truly holy, who are truly righteous, only those people will be invited to the wedding feast. Verse 11. But when the king came in, to see the guest. He noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Now, 
Some of your Bibles might say proper garments. Okay? Garments right here in this scripture refers to deeds or acts. Right? Now, the tradition is this. According to Jewish customs, those people invited to this wedding feast or to a wedding feast, right? They had certain clothes to wear. But if you look at the scripture here, this man doesn't have the proper clothes. So this king shows up in the parable, right? And he notices this man. Now remember, the king is God. He notices this man wasn't wearing the right clothes, right? So it simply means that this man doesn't belong here. In other words, this man's not invited into the wedding feast, right? Now, that doesn't mean he's not in the kingdom. It means that this man didn't have an invitation to the wedding feast. Now, remember, there's a difference between being at the wedding and being at this wedding feast. So we see that this man, right, he's invited to the wedding, but not to the wedding feast. So technically speaking, he believed, but he wasn't faithful. He wasn't holy enough. He wasn't righteous enough. Verse 12. And the king asked him, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. Now look how God answers this man. God calls him friend. See, that's the God that we serve. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God, right? He's a God of mercy and compassion. So we see that God kindly asks this man, how did you enter into this wedding banquet without the proper garments? In other words, you're supposed to have on the proper clothes, but you don't. How, you, how do you get in here, right? Now, I want you to understand this. This is just a parable that Jesus is teaching us, right? Parables are big pictures, right? In reality, this is not going to happen. You, you're going to get to heaven if you believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and you're going to get to the, the wedding feast, the supper of the Lamb, by being holy, by being righteous, right? By taking on the characteristics of God, right? So you're not going to be there by mistake. But again, this is just a parable that Jesus is trying to teach us. And look what, what, look what the man did. He couldn't say anything. The Bible tells us that he was speechless, right? So we see that this man's silent because he doesn't know what to say. So we can say that this man, he just tried to get in, right? He knew he didn't have an invitation. He knew he wasn't supposed to be there, but he tried to get in. So this is to show us and tell us right here that believers who enter the kingdom of heaven, but not invited to this wedding feast, right? Jesus won't let them in, but they're going to try to get in. But they won't get in because Jesus is going to say, you belong in outer darkness. Now, I want you to understand outer darkness in this parable here. A lot of people think when you hear about outer darkness, the first thing that people think about is hell. But outer darkness in this scripture simply means outside of this wedding feast. Why do I say that? Well, look at the next verse. It tells us. Then the king told his attendants. Now, this is a change from before. Because anytime a king told somebody something, it was the king telling his servants, go do this and go do that. But now, look what the scripture says. 
the king told his attendants. Attendants mean those that are at this wedding feast, at this glorious dinner, at this glorious supper, the supper of the Lamb. Look what he tells them. Tie them hand and foot and throw them outside into darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now, into the darkness, once again, means outside of this wedding feast. In this scripture, it does not mean hell. The, 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 a lot of people look at it and say this is hell, but he's not. And I'm going to show you why in a second through scripture that it's not. The book of Revelation. The apostle John says all who believe in Jesus Christ, right, will be in the kingdom, but only those who are faithful will be. Look what he says. At the marriage supper the wedding feast. The Apostle John says this. Also in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 12, this is what it says. But the sons of the kingdom, understand this, the sons of the kingdom, which means they're in heaven, they're in the eternal kingdom of God, will be cast out, look what it says, into outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now why would believers right be sad be upset about being in the outer darkness why because they weren't invited to this wedding feast they wasn't invited to the supper of the lamb weeping here means Regret, great sorrow, right? The gnashing of teeth means pain, you suffering, right? In other words, torture. Well, you say, this has to deal with hell, but it's not. Because, see, you put on this earth to accomplish one thing, and that is to live for Christ, to accept Christ in your heart, to live for Him, to enlarge his kingdom, right? In other words, he wants you to be holy, to be righteous, right? He wants you to take on the characteristics of his son. And when you go before Jesus, because everybody, all of us, is going to go before our maker, go before the Lord of Lord, go before the Messiah. And you're going to look at him and you're going to look into his face, right? And Jesus knows our heart. Jesus knows what we think. Jesus knows everything about us. But he's going to tell you, I made you in my image, right? And, and, and I put seeds of greatness on the inside of you. In other words, I gave you gifts and talents, right? So you can use for my good. But yet, you wasn't like that. Maybe towards the end of your life, the latter years of your life, right? You accepted Jesus into your heart. You made him your Lord and Savior, right? Now, the question I have for you is this. You are saved. You're going to be in the kingdom. That's what the scripture teaches. That's what we just learned. But are you going to be invited to the supper of the Lamb, right? Depends on how righteous we are. 
Depends on how righteous we live our life. Depends on how holy we live our life. Depends on how much we take on the characteristics of Jesus right now on this earth while we're alive. What impact are you making for the kingdom of God through your gifts, through your talents that God implanted on the inside of you? He gave you that for one reason. To reach people. To tell them about Jesus, right? To tell them about this wedding that's going to take place one day. To tell them about this great, joyous, glorious occasion, the Supper of the Lamb. Verse 14. For many are invited, but very few, he says, are chosen. Few here means very small, right? Now, this is all related about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, especially the wedding feast. And all of us, everybody, God says, is invited right now. But only a small percent of the world population, right, will enter into heaven, will enter into the kingdom of God. And if you look at the world population today, right, only a small percentage of that is going to enter heaven. And from that, you have to have an invitation to the supper of the Lamb. Right? Matthew 7.13 says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. And that highway to hell is broad. And His gate is wide. For many would choose that way. So Jesus is telling us here, in the book of Matthew, right? That... The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you can only get to that through this narrow road that leads through this narrow gate. But he, also, but he says this, there's a broad road and a broad gate, right? And that leads to destruction. That leads to hell. And he says many's going to choose the broad way with the wide open gate. Many's going to be in hell, right? Why? Because they didn't believe in Jesus. They don't believe that He's the Messiah. They had never had an intimate relationship with Him. They never repented. They never spent time in prayer. They never implemented the Word of God in their lives, right? They don't read Scripture. They don't spend time. And they don't listen to what Jesus is saying. They don't do God's will for their life. You see, it's only one way to enter into the kingdom of God. And that is through Jesus. That's why John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, for those of us who make it to heaven, we make it to the kingdom. Not all of us is going to be invited to this wedding feast, the supper of the Lamb, right? Remember, if you're a believer, you're going to be saved. You're going to be in the kingdom of God. You're going to be in heaven. But to be invited to this wedding feast, one has to be faithful. One has to be holy. Has to be righteous, right? Has to take on the characteristics of God's Son, Jesus. The book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 7 through 9 says this. Let us be glad and rejoice. And let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has given the finest pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents, look what it says, righteous deeds of God's holy people. 
And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the supper of the Lamb, he added. These are true words that come from God. So we see, when you get to the eternal kingdom of heaven, right? You want to hear these words by our Savior. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If you hear those words, that means this is an invitation to the wedding feast. Well, until next week, y'all have a blessed week. Y'all go out, be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. God bless.